0: part of making images is saying you like something and that you want this world to exist you know for yourself and for other people and recreating that and so a lot of those sort of outdoor scenes that i'm depicting especially in this new work in uh dreaming in real time are, are scenes depicted in georgia based on you know memories or figments of imagination that i had growing up in georgia so they're deeply personal
1: Tyler Mitchell is an American photographer, artist, and filmmaker who's at the vanguard of a bright new wave of African American creative thought and discourse. At just 27, the Atlanta-born, Brooklyn-based Mitchell has a prodigious track record. He's shot editorial for Vanity Fair, M Le Monde, and British and American Vogue, notably shooting Beyoncé for the cover of the 2019 issue, the first black photographer to get an American Vogue cover. He also balances commercial work for brands such as Louis Comme des Garçons, and Uniqlo with a big bold career as a fine art photographer. With a body of work that's concerned with depictions of black people, the work is often romantic, joyful, occasionally harking back to impressionist painting. It is beautiful and beguiling stuff. In 2020, Mitchell became the recipient of the Gordon Parks Fellowship, named for the pioneering black photographer, whose work with social justice is an important touchstone for many artists of any ethnicity. I'm Robert Bounds and this is The Big Interview with Tyler Mitchell. Tyler Mitchell, welcome to The Big Interview. As we've heard in the introduction there, your range of work from commissions, editorial and commercial and artwork and films and all sorts of wonderful things go into this mix. Are you using the same bit of your creativity, your vision for each bit of the work that you do? Does it come from the same place?
0: I like to think or I like to hope that all of sort of what I do, whether it's sort of commissioned or personal is in dialogue with one another. So yeah, sure. I mean, I I like to think that when you look at, you know, a magazine cover that I do or sort of a, a gallery exhibition or a museum exhibition or a film work that you sort of see my voice in it. So yeah, I would like to think that they're all in dialogue. Of course, different things need, have different sort of boundaries, constraints, needs, wants, but yeah, I like to think that it's all sort of under one roof
1: yeah i mean it seems like that it seems you've got a signature style but it seems to sort of evolve for each individual thing that you do i get the feeling that you have a very good relationship with your subjects actually i mean there's such a lot of warmth and we can talk about this in a bit but it feels like you have a good time making these pictures am i am i far wrong
0: no not at all we like to yeah we like to have a good time i mean i think like I'm just trying to create an environment that's like as open as possible you know i think that like the environment i try and create you know i have ideas i like to say that i sort of bring ingredients so to speak but i don't know the quantities of those ingredients for the recipe like i try and leave a little bit of margin and room of open-mindedness to sort of collaborate with the people in front of the camera because it's it's as much their picture as it is mine you know and I'm sort of creating an aesthetic world, but they're, you know, the, the sitters and the people who I work with to make that are also a part of it. So, so yeah, I would say like, it's good that that comes across. It's good that like, when you sort of see, like in a lot of my work and I can make you feel good, like the sort of direct gaze into the camera, like the the sort of eye contact made is usually a very like inviting sort of eye contact. I hope where it's sort of a, it has some sort of potentially enigmatic quality, but its it has warmth, like you said. So, yeah, I think all of that is what I'm sort of looking for so, like subconsciously, I would say.
1: Yeah. You you mentioned there, you know, making an environment in which to take pictures. And that's such an important part of the photographer's arsenal, isn't it? To be able to create that kind of giving, trusting environment. There's, there's kind of an amount of trust involved, isn't there? In, in allowing someone to take your picture. Is that something... I mean, that's that's an evolving story, right? But do you have a kind of you seem to have a a lovely way about you. But (laughs) is that is that where it sort of starts from?
0: I mean, yeah, that is sort of where it starts from. I think I'm like, it's something to be taken seriously, you know, like it's something to just be taken with gravity. Like I try and maintain that, you know, on everything I do. I don't know if I can like put my finger on what it is, you know, but I think it's also good that like I've been making images for quite some time. So the people, like the sitters, like I show them some of my work and they start to get an idea of like what it is that I do. And, or if I ask to do a shoot with them, then they sort of might even have an idea already. And so then they sort of know and then we, and then the, the, the relationship starts off with that knowledge and then it goes from there. I think every photographer sort of has their own approach to this, you know.
1: When I first saw your work a while back, was whether you you're capturing a world or whether you're creating a world because you're not a documentary photographer but you still you're still capturing kind of these moments of intimacy of love of 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 closeness of dialogue are you stealing something from the world or are you making something new i wonder
0: uh, i think a bit of both like the funny thing is like it sort of walks this line of like documentary and staged like for sure there like you're saying there are staged elements but i sort of like to think that i'm doing both um Because I mean, when you see when you see sort of the scenes depicted in my images, the my sitters, so to speak, are sort of playing on a narrative that is real. You know, whether that is sort of flying kites or enjoying enjoying sort of interpersonal relationships in a park or an outdoor space, like all of those moments are sort of you know, there are moments that happen in real life, and then there are also moments that I've constructed in that particular moment for that photograph. Um, and I think that construction doesn't take away from the sort of reality of the moment. Do you shoot
1: all the time? I mean, you've got a phone in your back pocket and, and I'm sure you're making notes, as it were, photographic notes and things you like and things you dig and things that are constructed photographs. Is that how you think of it, that every image every image is, is kind of worth its place on your camera roll? it just takes you, you, you know you just delete what you delete in the edit
0: actually no I'm pretty like considered when I when I shoot like I even like my camera roll is like a very different sort of like thing than sort of my like photographic practice like my photographic practice is like a very focused thing mm-hmm. I'm very much like sort of gathering references I'm thinking about scenes I'm thinking about I'm sort of dreaming up frames I'm sort of sketching ideas i'm looking at movies i'm researching and then i'm going out into the world and creating these things so it's sort of two different things like even though you know that accessibility to shoot always on the iphone is there for sure i don't think that i in my mind connect the two um if that makes sense and i think i i think i like that it's kept separate because for me personally it's almost like Making images for me is almost like the act of being a director of a movie. In a way, it's about doing the research, coming up with an idea, and being very focused and decisive about it, and then going and going and trying to like do service that idea the best way you can. You know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I get a sense of meticulousness from your work. Um, you know what I mean? I mean, these constructed images, which you obviously think deeply about the light, the relationship of people's bodies and 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 their b- bodies in the landscape, and 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 the colors and all the rest of it. Um, I I don't for a second think it's a throwaway thing. I think we'd all love to see your iPhone photo roll as well, though, Tyler. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, That's the vault, back... isn't it?
1: That's the bank vault that we want to crack. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned and people will be familiar with this. Some of the things that appear in your imagery, flying kites. This idea of a kind of almost performative leisure there is in your work. Is that fair to say? I'm I'm gonna I want to ask you about. This seems like Renoir or Surat or someone, you know, which was Frenchmen painting white French people, you know, 150 years ago or whatever. And this seems, the imagery that you are in, inventing seems to be very much of a making a new narrative. How do you define that? I mean, you're, you're allowing people, I suppose, black people like yourself to have those signs of luxury and leisure that have never been tropes of that imagery before, I suppose. And it hits people between the eyes because of its rarity, the way that things look, we're used to we're not used to seeing that, which has struck other commentators and, and critics as as sad and, and rather guilt making perhaps as well.
0: I mean, I think the uh you know, there's one conversation which is sort of me making the images, and then there's sort of another pole or side of the conversation which is between the viewer and the images. And I sort of have no role in that. Like that's sort of why I'm saying I'm I'm sort of on one level flattered that those names come up for you as sort of a reference. But to be honest, these works and these pictures that I'm making are sort of stemmed from personal experience. You know, they are sort of a culmination of looking, you know, more towards a lineage of Black image makers, more towards Roy DeCarava's work, more towards Gordon Parks' work, more towards, you know, the Kamoinge Workshop photographers or Dawood Bay or Dina Lawson than they are sort of George Surratt. But I think like, and then most importantly, above any of those other image makers or artists, it's about looking inwards into sort of the experiences I've been lucky enough to have in my own life, you know? Like a part of making images is saying you like something and that you want this world to exist, you know, for yourself or for other people and recreating that. And so a lot of those sort of outdoor scenes that I'm depicting, especially in this new work in uh, Dreaming in Real Time, which is, you know, for my upcoming gallery show, are, are scenes depicted in Georgia based on, you know, memories or figments of imagination that I had growing up in Georgia. So they're deeply personal. And so I think that's my side of the conversation. And then I think the viewer side is sort of, I have no stake in it. You know, I I sort of almost like have no, there's no conversation for me to have there. It's between the image and the viewer. And I think that's sort of the fun part of photography, right? Is that everybody brings their own sort of personal experience, historical experience and sort of narratives to imagery.
1: I love that, that you can you can only bring the viewer so far, right? I mean, it's like what they say about reading a novel, right? Sometimes it can be a very rich experience because the reader has to do a little bit more work, and that's what you're asking. or that's what you're expecting the viewer to do, right? You can take the horse to the trough, but you can't make him drink, I suppose.
0: Well, I mean, I think a novel actually has ways to be more descriptive than a photograph even. I mean, you, you know, a picture is a thousand words, they say. But, like, you know a novel can be quite didactic in exactly how it wants you to feel throughout you know it can take you through a narrative and sequence and this happened and then this happened you're presented with an image and it starts to work on your mind and on none of those levels actually it starts to work on a subconscious level on a visceral level and so i sort of can you know call my own personal experience my own lived experience to a certain degree but i can't dictate or or this isn't a didactic experience when someone comes into contact with my images and so i think that's actually beautiful and i think i have no role in that conversation at that point you know
1: yeah i mean i i'd like to live in a lot of your pictures because
0: they're so warm they're like halcyon days that's part of it too like i want to live in them you know (laughs) (laughs) so i mean i think that's what art that's what art on some level is like it's offering narratives, you know, per, sort of personal personal escape as well. You
1: yeah, know? that idea of beauty is sort of under-recorded in, in a lot of contemporary work, isn't it? That idea of not beauty for beauty's sake, but sim- a simple celebration of it. Is that something that you bear in mind, or is it the way that it's been coming out for you that way, Tyler?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I'm becoming, like, less concerned with, like, the contemporary moment, so to speak, yeah. like, not, not because like, not. I mean, the contemporary moment is very anarchic. Like, I don't think you could really pin down like, Oh, this is what this moment is about. Like maybe you could point out some aesthetic signifiers or like things that feel quote unquote contemporary or modern or whatever. But I mean, the thing that I'm most interested in or ask myself all the time is like, is this thing I'm making singular and is this thing I'm making, you know, singular to me? Like, does it come from, who I am as a person and like these things I'm sort of like bearing in these images are sort of my personal interests. You know, like, like you said, you know, that's, this is a world that I sort of want to live in. And that's all I can sort of concern myself with all the rest of like where it sits in the canon or how it sits in the canon, or, you know, that's all like time's decision. That's all other people's decision. That's sort of not my work to do, but I'm just sort of here trying to make work that I hope is singular, you know?
1: But it's funny read, being in the position now where you, read, you can read about yourself in, in different August journals all around the world. and people try to communicate to their readers what your narrative is, what your preoccupations are, what your politics might be. It's nice to be able to step away from having to define everything yourself. or do you, is that a bit of a frustration? Can it be a bit of a frustration?
0: No, I'm not worried. I'm not too worried about like defining everything myself. I mean, life is so, you know, there's, there's so many shades of gray in it that it's like, there would be no point for an artist to try and define everything themselves at all. Like, that's just sort of like I was saying, not the artist's role. And so I think like my role is to sort of make the stuff and hope that it, hope that it impacts some people, offers people a narrative that, that inspires other things that propels the human condition forward, that propels, you know, sort of life forward. You
1: mentioned that your upcoming show, Gary's Show, this focuses on or or the inspiration is from your your childhood in Georgia. Tell us about that because you're kind of not as far away, sadly for me, from your childhood as I am from mine. I mean, was that a very documented childhood? Were you taking pictures? Were your parents taking pictures, your family? Is it easy to find the source material Tyler for your for your upbringing?
0: I think it's funny because the the pictures that I've made for this upcoming body of work sort of reference and speak to so many things. One thing that I'm kind of calling it above everything else is it's really a landscape project. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really a project that's sort of invested in the history of people's relationship to land and to landscape. Um, and and I say that in quotation marks with a capital L, like the formal idea of landscape. And so. No, I didn't I don't have tons of you know landscape pictures laying around my house that I could look at or I didn't have tons of but I am deeply researched and I was looking at you know books that Deborah Willis would show me, like picturing the South, images from, you know, sort of the American South from 1880 to the present. I was looking at Gordon Park's projects in Kansas, right? Or in Alabama. Um, I was looking at tons of things. And then I was also thinking about sort of. Well, I mean, the title itself of the show is Dreaming in Real Time, right? So these images, like we just just discussed, are sort of staged, and I sort of am also pulling figments in my imagination. Even if I don't have the reference material in my home or whatever, I'm sort of imagining, you know, what what my contribution is to a visualization of, quote-unquote, right, capitalization, the American self. Yeah, I think this series of pictures is just what comes out of all of those considerations. That's all it is.
1: Yeah. I mean, what about you grew up, you know, in a very mediated age, right? With, you know, mm-hmm. you're a kid of the, the internet. What is it? Do you have to reconfigure how you how you think in terms of, that, of some of that imagery to be showing in galleries? Or, you know, when the intention is for those pictures to be in a gallery first and foremost before anywhere else, before they're covered in magazines mm-hmm. and, and things right. like that?
0: Well, I mean, you know, commissioned versus personal, it's like... Yes, they all, you know, gallery versus magazine or gallery versus theatrical screen or theatrical screen versus magazine or magazine versus Instagram, like all of these mediums are mediums, right? They all have sort of different boundaries and constraints and considerations and and all the rest. Basically, you have to take those things into consideration. But I sort of look at the gallery space or the white cube as hopefully a space that I can make sort of bend around my emotional needs, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's a space where it becomes another outlet for my ideas essentially and i'm interested in like how the white cube can sort of bend around my ideas and what i'm doing rather than the other way around you know i'm not sort of interested in sort of necessarily like conforming right to sort of the needs or questions of the of the white cube historically but rather sort of wondering about personally how it can be an extension of my ideas and i think that's if there's if there's anything that is contemporary about my work you know maybe it's that. it's that like the contemporary moment has much more of an investment in sort of the personal journey than it does about sort of questions of Canon or history, or, you know, all of those things are important to be aware of and precision is important, but I think that we're a lot more interested in this contemporary moment, sort of in personal journey. Right. And a lot more gray area rather than everything being sort of right or wrong, or this doesn't fit in the white cube. Yeah. There's a lot more for sort of artists to sort of take hold of that space and figure out what works about it for them.
1: I wanted to ask you about the skating culture in the suburbs of Atlanta growing up. How has that played into your work? I mean, that's, a, that's quite a dreamy, collegiate, friendly world, isn't it? The world of, of skateboarding.
0: I mean, friendly, dreamy, I don't know. I mean, I think like... <laughs> Sorry, think I'm, I'm the last person to be putting words in your mouth. Sorry. The world of skateboarding is, is something that I was lucky to find so early. You know, I I would say that, like, it expanded my horizons. Like, one thing about skateboarding is that it is, like, it can be cutthroat. It's a sport, right? But it's also a sport that's sort of based, that is based around camaraderie before it is based around sort of competition. And maybe that's because, like, I always theorize or think that it's maybe because it's not really a team sport right it's like we're going to beat them sort of thing but it's like you're going to sort of beat your personal best sort of thing so everybody's sort of encouraging one another to like do their trick better than they did it before so I would say in that way it definitely encouraged like a certain sense of like community and it brought me just to other perspectives in Atlanta right because your perspective of the world is so infinitesimally small when you're like you know in middle school or in high school like you literally see the school halls, you see your home, you see your friends, you see a couple of, like I, I don't know, they all, we all play the same sports. We go play soccer after school or whatever. But like the skateboarding became this thing to like see just like a bigger community and bigger perspectives within Atlanta. So uh, if, if there's any like credit owed to skateboarding in this like work that I'm making now, or if there's any sort of like connection to the world of skateboarding, it's in that sort of eye-opening community sort of look at Atlanta, if that makes sense. And just like a range of backgrounds, right? Because another thing about like a middle school or a high school is that it's so regionalized and so localized, it's so sort of constrained socioeconomically to like one or two backgrounds. You know, with skateboarding, it's like the kids that find themselves skateboarding are from all over, right? It's got grit to it, you know what I mean? And so like that, that really is something that I sort of value
1: yeah I mean it's a tribe I guess isn't it and what turned you on to it was it the skateboarding itself was it kind of being part of a different group was it you just have a, a deep-seated love of baggy clothes and vans
0: <laughs> I mean I honestly got obsessed through like I don't know like I don't I don't remember how I exactly found it but once I was hooked I was hooked and like I taught myself, you know, with using YouTube tutorials of like, here's how to do tricks, here's how to do this. And like, it was very much a solo act for me at first until I found that community. I mean, I do remember growing up like being just a Tumblr kid, like being obsessed with, you know, there's a website called The Barracks, which was a secret skate park in Los Angeles that felt like some faraway land. And I saw people like, for the first time, I remember seeing people like uh, Tyler the Creator, actually, and like Odd Future, you know, his whole collective, like, like in that barrack skate park, in that secret skate park in LA. And I was like, I've never seen kids that look like me and that sort of feel like they dress how I want to dress and like act in a certain way that I really sort of respect. Like, I was like, sometimes you have to see it to be it, you know, or what have you. And so, like, some of the internet exposure, whether it was through Tumblr or through Odd Future or through the barracks, was like huge for encouraging me.
1: Were you shooting stuff? You were shooting films then, right? rather than i
0: was yeah i was mainly more of a filmmaker like i sort of there's a whole art to the sort of filming of skateboarding and i i got obsessed with that and so i was really a filmmaker
1: yeah there is that shooting things from really low down the all the angles that there are in skateboarding films right that are very specific that have been stolen by like snowboarding and things but they're really specific to that genre aren't they
0: exactly
1: exactly yeah i mean i love that i wanted to ask you about we we talked at the beginning tyler about you know feeling like you get on very well with your subjects that there's a real warmth there's a warmth between the lens and the and the sitter um yeah and so tell me about people like kamala harris and beyonce people that are used to having they've got a great sense of their own you know personhood and agency and you know kind of make decisions about their own images quite quite often is that a different undertaking or is that just another friendly person who digs your work who's sitting for you how how are how those relate how are those relationships
0: no they're great they're those were both extremely collaborative experiences you know and I try and you know make them feel and and be like my other you know sort of the rest of my body of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and luckily, I think they do. Those are both very both assignments. I'm very proud of.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we you know people will people will probably know this from from you that you were the first black photographer to shoot a Vogue cover for what 120 years. Um, you mentioned, you know, Gordon Parks, you're the, the, the great photographer, you're on the Gordon Parks fellowship, all the rest of it. Is it tiresome to be felt that you're being part of a movement, that you're part of changing history? Or is it something to be, is it just another part of your practice? Or or is it something that you feel someone, people are, you know, putting a crown on your head because
0: of it, I wonder? I, I think my responsibility is to my work, you know, and to the things I create, and to how that and how that you know sort of positively impacts people again viscerally or subconsciously i think that's a really great thing um and i'm really proud of the work that i make so i think like that's sort of my first and foremost responsibility like i don't i sort of don't consider much else really no no it's for other people right to to fill in there yeah yeah Yeah, exactly
1: um and i can't not ask a photographer of note about what they first fell in love with, the imagery that they first fell in love with when you were a kid and, and the, and the, um, the camera you captured that on Tyler. I think it was an
0: old Canon DSLR. I don't remember like the, I don't remember the specifics, but it was a DSLR. I remember like, it was like, uh, it had a video and a photo mode, which was kind of cool cause you could switch from like one to the other. And I thought that was really nice. I mean, skateboarding, you know, like I was saying, like, I think it was, it was really the skateboarders at the start. Um, that that was sort of what fascinated me and it wasn't much else it was just like oh I'm really interested in the sport escape when I didn't really think about any of that other stuff until like later in life you know like I said my sort of horizons were very small and I think that that's fine you know that's how you sort of come into this world
1: yeah yeah I love that and and it's interesting I think with your you sort of said that your your horizons are small at that point and your latest your upcoming show is about landscapes it feels like you're you know you're thinking about it very deeply but you're making work that is exactly that seems to be evolving very quickly as well
0: yeah yeah exactly exactly
1: we're going places
0: (laughs) yeah yeah
1: tyler mitchell thank you very much for joining us on the big interview
0: thanks brother appreciate it
1: My thanks to Tyler Mitchell, whose Gordon Parks Fellowship culminated in the current show titled An Imaginative Arrangement of the Things Before Me, which is on at the Gordon Parks Foundation in New York until January the 2nd next year. That's it for this edition of The Big Interview. The Big Interview is produced by Emma Searle and edited by Steph chung From me, Robert Bounds, thank you very much for tuning in.